0: We meet today in Psalm chapter 79 to chapter 81. Psalm 79 speaks of the future of Israel in the great tribulation. This psalm is a prayer, not for you and for me to pray, but it is for God's people, the nation Israel, and that will be applicable in the tribulation, which is the terrible day of the troubles of Jacob, and that is going to come to them. This is yet another psalm of Asaph, a great musician, who was probably the writer and the arranger of them. He was contemporary with David, and probably served as his assistant. The historical occasion of this psalm is the destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians in 586 BC. It is also quite similar to Psalm 74. O oh God! The nations have come into your inheritance, your holy temple, they have defiled, they have laid Jerusalem in heaps. Psalm 79 verse 1 Although this psalm was prophetic at the time it was written, it accurately pictures the siege of Nebuchadnezzar and the subsequent Babylonian captivity. Also the Maccabean period brought such a calamity. This prophecy's ultimate fulfillment will be during the tribulation. But prior to the Babylonian captivity, the false prophets were saying that God would never allow their destruction and captivity. However, the city that the false prophets had said would never be taken was taken, and the inhabitants were carried away into captivity. The temple, they said, would never be destroyed, yet it was destroyed. The city, of course, was Jerusalem, and the people were the children of Israel. This happened several times, and it caused these people to cry out to God. The temple, the sanctuary, is the very center of the things. Remember that this is the section of the psalm which corresponds to the book of Leviticus, which has its theme, the worship centering around the tabernacle, and later the temple. The dead bodies of your servants, they have given as food for the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your saints, to the beasts of the earth. You see, this horrible canadgy was difficult for the children of Israel to understand. Why was God permitting this to happen to them? The false prophets had been continually telling them that it would not happen to God's people. Although the prophet Jeremiah had been faithfully giving God's warnings of the judgment to come, he had been discredited and labeled as a traitor of his own nation. The Israelites could not understand why God had not protected them. Of course, it is difficult for them to understand it even today. But have they been faithful to God? Are they back in proper relationship with Him? Have they accepted the Messiah? Are they turning to him? Of course the answer is no. God has judged his people in the past and he is judging them even today. He will judge them even in the future. Now hear their cry. How long, O Lord? Will you be angry forever? Will your majesty burn like fire? Will your jealousy burn like fire? You see, the Jews cry out, Are you not going to let up on us, O Lord? Then they cry to God for forgiveness. Listen to them. Oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have been brought very low. Psalm 79 verse 8. They pray again don't remember our former iniquities. But how will he be able to rub them out and forget them? He will not just do it arbitrarily. Only through the death of Jesus Christ can he do so. When Christ is rejected, whether it be by a Jew or by a Gentile, rich or poor, slave or free, female or male, black or white, red or yellow, there is judgment, my friend. You have to meet him in judgment or in redemption. There are only two ways. Now listen to the plaintive cry of these suffering people. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and provide atonement for our sins. For your name's sake. Psalm 79 verse 9. The children of Israel had been making the boast that God was among them, and he would deliver them. God had not delivered them, and they were being subjected to ridicule. The heathens were making funny of them. Notice the note of thankfulness on which this psalm actually ends. So we, your people and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. You see, in that coming kingdom, their sorrows and their tears will be gone forever. And so there will be praise from generation to generation. But how will that come about? It will be provided by the atonement of the sins, not of sheep and bulls and cows or even goats, but it will be the atonement that was paid through Jesus Christ Christ the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We move on now to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8 is the prayer to the shepherd of Israel. You see, my friend, in this series of Psalms, there is a continuation of thought, a prophetic development. Actually, the Septuagint version has the inscription, the Assyrian which has led some expositors actually to place this psalm in a later time however because it is definitely a psalm of asaf a contemporary of david we know it was written during the time of the davidic kingdom so the inscription is to the chief musician set to the lilies a testimony of Asaph, a psalm i mean we have seen before that beautiful lilies Uh, Psalms mentions the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon blossoming in the shades of hell. Now, it is a plea to the shepherd of Israel to lead them once again. And again, it is related to the former Psalm, to Psalm 79, where they are seeing that God has come in judgment. Now, they are asking the Lord, be the shepherd of your nation. Listen to them. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim shine forth. Psalm eighty verse one. The shepherd of Israel is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard a simile of the sheep and the shepherd before and we know Christ is the shepherd. And we are told that he led Joseph like a flock. That refers to the wilderness journey of the tribes of Israel when they advanced towards the promised land to take possession of it. Jehovah, the shepherd of Israel, was their leader. Joshua was their human leader, but he acted under the captain of the host of the Lord. And the psalmist here appeals to God, who had met with these people, in the Holy of Holies. Before Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh, stay up your strength and come and serve us. Psalm 80 verse 2. Why would Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh be mentioned here? Well, I think the answer can be found in Numbers 2 verse 17 to verse 24. If you read this portion of the word of God, you find that In placing the tribes around the tabernacle, these three tribes were immediately behind the ark in the order of the march. It was the ark that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. Just as God had led them once before, they cry now and they are asking God, lead us again. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Psalm 80, verse 3. You see, the same refrain is repeated three times in this psalm. Actually, in verse 3, in verse 7, in verse 19. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. It is a sort of a chorus that they actually sang. Psalm 80 verse 4. Oh Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You see, this is a brief elegy here. It is a lament, a said part of the psalm and it includes Beginning there from verse 4 all the way to verse 6, the psalmist feels God is angry because he does not answer the prayer of his people. So we read verse 5 saying, You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. This is one of the most remarkable verses in the word of God. God has given his people tears to drink and tears of their bread. All they had to eat was tears. These are the tears of suffering. No nation has suffered as the children of Israel has suffered and survived, actually. Most other nations, had they been treated like the Jews, would have been exterminated and would have disappeared from the face of the earth. But Israel has been drinking tears down through the centuries, yet it remains. Why? Israel rejected the shepherd. When the Lord was here, he beheld the city of Jerusalem and wept over it. Luke 19 verse 41 to verse 4 tells us what he said as he wept. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not live in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, this is a tremendous passage of Scripture, my friend, and it gives the reason the Jews... Why they have tears to drink. On his way to the cross, Jesus turned to some of the women in the crowd who were weeping, and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but rather weep for yourselves and your children. In Luke 23, verse 28, verse 7 again says, Restore us, O God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You see, the face to shine is none other than the face of Israel's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is another remarkable verse, Psalm 80, verse 8. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. God brought the nation of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. God cast out the heathens out of the land of Palestine, and he planted Israel there. Israel is called his vine. Israel built a temple in which to worship God. Then they were told that their temple would be destroyed and that they would be put out of the land. The reason is given. The reason is the same that God had put out the heathens out of that land. They turned their back upon God. The reason, they Worshipped other gods And that is called idolatry And for idolatry God did put them out of the land The responsibility of Israel Was greater than that of the heathen nations Because God had granted them a privilege That no other nation had had Which was the visible presence of God Psalm 80 verse 9 You prepared room for it And caused it to take deep root And it filled the land. Well, this verse is speaking about Israel, the vine that God brought forth out of Egypt, and he planted it in the promised land, where it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow, and the mighty cedars with its buffers. She bent out her buffers to the sea, and her branches to the river. Psalm 80 verse 10 to verse 11. But the question arises in verse 12, Why have you broken down her hedges, so that all who pass by the way pluck the fruit? Well, for years after God planted his vine, Israel, in the land of Palestine, he put a hedge about the land. The people lived in the land for a good 600 years. God did not permit any of the great nations of that day to destroy them. Egypt came against Israel and had victories but did not destroy them. The same was true of Syria and the Hittite nation. But the day came when God removed the hedge and let the enemies of Israel come in. Why? Because Israel had rejected the great chief shepherd. Psalm 80 verse 17 tells us, Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of men whom you made strong for yourself. You see, at the right hand is the place of power. Who is at God's right hand? It is Israel's Messiah. David wrote, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord Jesus Christ applied this to himself when his enemies challenged his messianic claim in Matthew 22 verse 44. Back in Genesis chapter 35 is the account of Rachel when she gave birth to her second son along the roadside that leads into Bethlehem. Benjamin was the baby, but she didn't call him that when she looked up the little fellow to whom she had given birth she called him Beno, Benoni, ben oni which means son of my suffering but when jacob looked upon him i think the baby had eyes like his lovely rachel so he said no we won't call him ben oni we will call him benjamin because he is the son of my right hand Benjamin, you see, is a picture, a type of our Lord Jesus Christ who came to earth the first time as the son of suffering. But today he is at the right hand of God. Of him the Father said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And someday he will be returning from that position to this earth and he will come to judge. He will come as a king, and he will come as a judge. Psalm 80, verse 18 tells us, Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Well, the better translation would be, Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. That is it. Here is the chorus again for the third time. Restore us, O Lord of God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. That is verse 19. You see, this is a wonderful psalm. A psalm that depends on God. That invites God to restore Israel. And they must also be restored to their chief shepherd. Psalm 81 is a song of deliverance. This psalm, like so many of the others, is linked to the one that preceded it. In other words, we have a continuous story. The prayer in the preceding psalm was not a prayer for Christians. It is for the time of Jacob's trouble at the end of the age. The great prayer for us today is, even so, come Lord Jesus, as contemplated In Revelation 22, verse 20. But in the meantime, we are to ask God to help us to get his word out. Psalm 81 is a song of deliverance. It begins on a high note. It is a soprano solo, if you like. It is inscribed to the chief musician on an occasion of Gath, a psalm of Asaph. And this is what Psalm 81 says. Verse 1 to verse 4 says, Sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the lute. Blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our solemn feast day. For this is a statute for Israel, a law of the God of Jacob. Now, I think the key to this passage is in the blowing of the trumpet at the new moon. This is all very proper because the new moon appears before the son of righteousness rises with healing in his wings. He is coming to deliver them. It is a beautiful picture of the Feast of Tabernacles. Israel had four feasts that came at the beginning of the year, the Passover, the Feast, the Pentecost, and the Feast of the First Fruits, then the Feast of the Tabernacles. This psalm sounds like the Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Trumpets. We read, For this was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. So it was a great day, and its fulfillment is still in the future. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you will listen to me. Then there shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. Psalm 81, verse 8 to verse 9. You see, the Lord reminds them of the past. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will feel it. Psalm 81, verse 10. This is a promise to Israel, and we shall live it that way. But there is a spiritual lesson for us in this verse. God did not lead me out of Egypt, but he did save me out of my sin, which is the Egypt of this world. Now God says to me, open your mouth, Asaph, and I'll fill it with spiritual blessings. Isn't that good news, my friend? And he has done just that. God has been so good to me, and I know he has been so good to you. If you doubt it, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. Turn over your life to him, and you will see how good our God is. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. Psalm 81 verse 11. Well, this concluding verse is very interesting. In other words, Israel would have none of God. They still have not turned to God. There is not much difference today between the Israel side and the Arab side as far as their relationship to God is concerned. As a people, as individuals, we need to turn to God. So these verses allude to Israel's disobedience and punishment. Often God's chastisement is simply to leave his children to their own self-willed actions. But God's children maintain their fellowship with their father only as they live in obedience to his word and in submission to his will. We are called upon to submit to the will of God. And then the blessings of Abraham would be ours to enjoy and experience instead of the troubles of Jacob. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, PO Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.